Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And Original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the death of Joan of Arc. Here's what you need to know. When Jeanne d'Arc, known around the world as Joan of Arc, was born in 1412 to a pious farming family in the northeastern French village Doremi, the Hundred Years' War between France and England had been waging for over seven decades. King Henry V of England sought claim to the French throne, and the English were gaining steady ground. Along with England's invasion, France was in the midst of a bitter and bloody civil war between the Armagnacs and the Burgundians, two factions of the French royal family. 
1418, Dauphin Charles VII, the heir apparent to the French throne and aligned with the Armagnacs, was chased out of Paris by the Burgundians. When the Burgundians and Armagnacs failed to reconcile, the Burgundians allied with England, and King Charles VI of France signed the Treaty of Tra, officially recognizing King Henry V of England as the heir to the French throne upon the death of King Charles VI. Henry V's death in 1422 presented an opportunity for the Dauphin Charles VII to reclaim the French throne, but he was desperate for a commanding military leader. It was around this time that the young Joan began to hear voices, which she determined to be sent from God, revealing that it was her mission to save France from England and usher Dauphin Charles VII to the French throne once and for all. Joan's God-sent mission spread throughout France, inspiring hope and wonder amongst the people. Visions, voices, and missions from God were not uncommon at the time, but they were spectacular coming from an uneducated teenage girl. Outfitted with a horse and men's riding clothing by Armagnac villagers, Joan traveled 270 miles through Burgundian-occupied lands to the royal court in Chinon. In front of the court, Joan proposed something spectacular. If the Dauphin, Charles VII, would give her an army, with God on her side, she would expel the English from France. Cautiously optimistic, the court put Joan through a series of spiritual and physical tests. Two ladies of the court privately examined her to confirm her virginity. She was questioned by the greatest theologians in Armagnac, France, by doctors and by religious leaders. Finally, she was given a practical test. If God was truly on her side, she would be able to relieve the English siege of Orléans. She was victorious, and her celebrity spread like wildfire. Joan was determined to accomplish her life mission of coronating the Dauphin and reuniting France. After successfully guiding the royal party through enemy-controlled regions and into Rons, the site of the holy oil deemed essential for coronation, Joan knelt beside Charles VII as he was crowned. Weeping, she said, Noble king, God's will is done. Nevertheless, bloody battles against the Burgundians continued, and in May 1430, Joan was surrounded by her enemies. Upon her capture, Duke Philip, leader of the Burgundians, wrote, quote, This will demonstrate the errors and foolish credulity of all those who have let themselves be convinced by the deeds of this woman. Joan was a mystical figure at this point, and her capture was significant. Technically a prisoner of war, Joan was sold by her Burgundian captors to King Henry VI's council, where she could be charged with a long list of religious crimes and tried by the Catholic Church authorities. Joan suffered through months of imprisonment and trials, where she was allegedly raped by guards, interrogated by religious officials, and mocked by the court for her visions, her wearing of men's dress, her virginity, and most critically, her assertion that God supported the French against the English. At the end of the trial, Joan shocked the court when she agreed to renounce all of her crimes and obey the church in order to avoid execution. She was instead given life imprisonment, 
but when she was found only four days later once again wearing men's clothes and speaking of visions, Joan's fate was sealed. At the age of 19, on May 30th, 1431, Joan was taken from her cell, given a cap with the words, relapsed heretic, apostate, idolater, and bound to a wooden stake as crowds gathered. Her last words were Jesus, 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 as the fire burned around her. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. During the trial, Joan initially faced 70 accusations against her, all of which were read aloud and explained in detail in court. These accusations were later distilled into 12 articles of accusation. With us today, producing is Alex Paul. Hello. Fact checker, Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Sonia Denis. And I already Hi. said everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, people call me Sonia Davis. It's just, I've given up. I have three names that are very hard so- to say. <laughs> Sonia Denis. Is that, yes. Did I, okay. That's perfect. You got it. Ah, oh, but Sonia is a writer, comedian, and you can follow her on all of her socials at Sony Denny, yep. S-O-N-I-D-E-N-I. Yep. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We have an epic episode. This is one of the big yes. ones. Yeah, yeah. Sonia, so we like to start off the show by asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night? Wow. Um, how much time do you have? Like in this, mm, I feel like, like 30 seconds. <laughs> Ukraine, COVID, life, capitalism, life, like every, I, I feel like there was like a, a month period during 2022 where it was like, okay, like it's still COVID still real. The pandemic's still happening, but like we haven't woken up and been like, man, we might not make it as a, a species. And then it was like, Putin was like, just a second. Um, We're back. <laughs> like to murder some people. Yeah. So it's, I'm alarmed um, by a lot. Um, yeah. Unprecedented times. It's not I fun. know. It, it's um, as if we didn't already have enough uh, on our plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020, 2021, 2022, they keep serving us up Yeah, uh, some heavy, these are heavy meals. Yeah, the last good year was 2018. Everything since then? 2018. Off. So 2019 didn't count either. 2019, that was, remember everyone was like, oh man, I can't wait for 2020 because so many people died. It was like a weird oh. year. But we didn't know what was coming in 2020, the pandemic, 2021. It was like, do you have a life? What is your calendar? And now 2022, starting off with a bang again. You know what I'm worried about now? Because of our topic today, are we entering another 100 years war? Stop, Chris. (laughs) No, I'm just saying like that. was like thinking back, like think about how much turbulation it had to be in that time, right? You have 116 years of total chaos and craziness. What if Mm -hmm. we... Sonia just said three years back, 19, 20, 21, 22. We're on year four. I mean, this. when are we going to stop here? It feels like 100 years, but... (laughs) It's not, but it's only three, four. Long, long dog years. Dog years. (laughs) When you're born is such a lottery, right? 
So yeah. like you have no control over the year you're born. And I think about right. this all the time. Um, to be to have been born in the 1400s or, or the 1300s during the Hundred Year War, that sucks because yeah. you're. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sucks because, first of all, you only live like to what, 40, 50? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to outlive it. Odds are. And your kids are not going to outlive it. And, uh, well, I don't know. That sucks. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's perspective. Like, it could be worse. You know? It could be worse. Yeah, it could always true. be worse. It could always yeah. be better. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. That's life. That is. And wow. it's the perfect transition <laughs> into the life. Joan of arc Mm -hmm. yes um it could be worse um and she had the unfortunate uh luck of having been born in when she was Mm -hmm. in 1412 and you could be burned at the stake for wearing men's clothing i'm wearing pants now right i'm wearing pants too Sonia, are you, are you wearing pants? I'm wearing shorts, but I'm sure that's even worse. Even worse. <laughs> like, wow, your legs and closed off, no skirt? Harlot. <laughs> I mean, so I'm not going to try uh, to really explain the 100 years. It's a very, very complicated war. Um, and, you know... Uh, Alex, uh, you know, in our in our our little write up uh, beforehand, also you know got got into it really well. Um, essentially, it's they're fighting for the crown of France. It's been going on for a while. It goes all the way back to you know the the ten whatever it was. Um, uh, Eleanor Henry the the first. Eleanor of Aquitaine. We're hearing all these names that, you know, you've heard of before. You don't understand why they all hate each other. But it goes way back. They pop up in Shakespeare a lot, too, a lot of these characters. Shakespeare was obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) So, so so causes of the war. Seizure of uh, English-held Gascony, uh, Aquitaine, southwest of France, by Philip the sixth of France, the claim by the English king Edward III to be rightful heir of France through his mother, the expedition of Edward III to take by force territories in France, protect international trade and win booty and estates for his nobles, the ambition of Charles V of France to remove the English from France's feudal territories, the descent into madness of Charles VI of France, um, uh, which, you know, and the debilitating infighting amongst the French nobility, Charles the sixth, we, we have to do a whole episode on Charles the sixth. What was his he deal? Was, uh, Charles was the mad, they called him, uh, Charles the mad. Mm-hmm. And he, w- uh, early in his, uh, reign, he started to have what they called seizures, it's unclear, but he would have bouts of madness mm. where he, like, for, like, three to five months would uh, not recognize people, would not, you know, he, he would go into a coma. He would uh, believe he was glass, and if you touched him, he would break. And then he would flip back 
and then be ba- back to his normal self for like another few These months. These guys like are that. always the guys running countries. It's insane to me. Oh my God. Sound, sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like undiagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenia or I think something so. like that. Perhaps. Yeah. So Charles the, 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 the mad, Charles the sixth, is the father. He's the one who signs this treaty. Um, who uh, essentially gives up the French crown. He says, okay, fine. My son, who's the, the, the Dauphin, uh, who's eventually will be Charles VII, he's not going to be king when I die. Henry V will be the king. So he's giving the, the crown back to Henry V. As we know, Charles VI dies, Henry V dies, and now who's going to be king? Because the one who was supposed to be king is dead. And this is where Joan of Arc comes into play. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Sort of. So she, you know, starts having these visions and she believes that she is going to, uh, she's going to put Charles VII uh, back in the crown. She's going to give him the crown. And the God is telling her that she needs to do this. Why is she doing this? I mean, this is just, just to, these claims of these old these old lands and all of these different rules can be can be it makes you be grateful for uh modern democracy where you can just hey joe schmo like you want to raise your hand and step up and be uh, uh in charge of stuff like okay get enough people and you can be in office we don't have to worry about but it was a great um, time back then when you could use god as an excuse for so for claiming the throne right you could say like it's not that I want this. It's that God told me that it needs to happen. Well, don't they yeah. do that now? They'll be like, <laughs> God has spoken to me and said, I should be president. I'm the only one. Has anyone pulled me. that? I can't. Uh, who's pulled that recently? I, to me, yeah. And they're, or just using God as sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm you, doing this in the name of God, I guess. But they're like, I'm going to pray on it. And then they're <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm supposed to be president. <laughs> he said, yes. <laughs> well that that was a big topic of you know tension because she later became a saint in the i think it was 1920 joan of arc became a saint and some people said well if how could god actually have been talking to her because why would god pick a side Mm. between france and england why why would he get meddled why would he meddle with in politics yeah (laughs) essentially um anyway let's start putting things up on the board okay we got the background everyone's very understanding all of it i know i am i totally get a clear picture of the backdrop here you guys i could teach a class actually (laughs) (laughs) okay great Uh, so let's start by putting bovine tuberculosis Woo! Mm. out of left field This is according to Time magazine. Among the many mysteries of Joan of Arc's meteoric career, one of the most baffling is the origin of her inspiration, her voices, as she called them. Was she hysterical? Was she insane? No, say two British students of the maid in her work. All the available medical evidence fits together into a neat and simple explanation. First sign of Joan's unusual qualities came at 12 and a half when she began to have mixed sensations of sight and sound coming from her right 
together with touch and smell. Hmm. The sensations were generally accompanied by a bright light. Modern neurology attributes such symptoms to disease in the brain's temporal lobe, close to the sphenoid bone, where it may affect the nerves of several senses. The disease process may begin with a small stroke, or it may be caused by a tumor. Though it is seldom seen today, a, per- a particularly common tumor among peasants of the Middle Ages who lived close to their herds was tuberculoma. This was often caused by the bacilli of bovine tuberculosis. So it seems that this was a common tumor or, or illness that perhaps was transferred by their herds mm-hmm. and it uh, fact oh. checker <laughs> this was uh, making me think of uh, that uh, that Cuban what was it that Cuban uh, disease that all those uh, CIA members came down with what's it called did you guys hear about that in the news are you no. talking about the the sound one the microwave yeah, yeah uh, the microwave sound <laughs> whatever Cu- where it's like they're having these bad uh, visions or like aches and pains and weird stuff and they're trying to explain it i mean it's sort of that in reverse for joan she's like having all these visions and it was unexplained but explained maybe by this bovine deal yes perhaps so she hadn't had that disease perhaps she would never have heard visions and would never have gone on a mission and would have just continued a life as a farm girl in in northeastern France. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, God came through. And said, through the cow to you. Got a message. Through the cow. Really? <laughs> it was the cow. <laughs> you spoke to the cow, which spoke to her, and it's like, oh. Um, here we go here we go and along um along with this it sounds like there's lots of different theories about was she schizophrenic was you know were there different mental illnesses that were causing her to have these visions but we don't know right like we just don't have any evidence to really know for sure i guess we don't know and like sonia was saying it was a common it was common at the time to just speak to god right right um, it, it, and so if, if that was something that, you know, it, it just wouldn't have come out of left field. People would have been like, I, I feel like nowadays it's still common as we were speaking, but it, it would have been, it's a little bit more, we have refined the, the, <laughs> the technique of how to quote unquote use God as, uh, mm-hmm. our, our, uh, as the person who's telling us what to do. Uh, but back then it was just like, no, I heard him. And uh, this is, he, he wants me to leave my, he wants me to put on this clothes, uh, men's clothing, and he wants me to fight and get the, uh, can't get the country back. Hmm. <laughs> um, which is, is that another thing we should put on the bold. board? Like using God to, um, yeah, let's let's put uh, to the it. powerful voice of God seeking power in the name of God. Seeking power in the name of God. Um, this is according to Helen Castor uh, in a Jezebel interview. Said the French thought of themselves as God's chosen people by the late Middle Ages. So the idea that they should be defeated by this little ragtag band of 
English soldiers was a profound existential blow as well as a military one, and it had to be explained in some way. It couldn't possibly be that God was actually on the English side. It must instead be that the French were in some sense being punished for their sins. So this is a worldview that permeates absolutely everything, and it's a worldview that helps us understand what happened when Joan did finally arrive. It wasn't the, that the idea that God might seek to an individual, speak to an individual directly was completely strange. There had been a whole series of mystics and visionaries across Europe in the 14th and early 15th century, but much closer to home, there had been a handful of women in France in the late 14th and early 15th century who claimed to have messages from God. So there's nothing inherently unbelievable about that possibility. What was different about what Joan was saying was that she was saying that God was commanding her not only to convey information to her king, but also to take up arms. She wanted the Dauphin to give her troops to put her at the lead of his army, and that was a challenging thought and a deeply unusual one. So I would say yeah. that I would add um, the patriarchy to the board because maybe Joan would have had other things to do. You know, I felt like women had to find their way to be like, I am important, I exist. Men are like, no, and they're like, God said I exist, and they're like, wait a minute, God said you're a person? Okay, shave your head because you must put men's clothes on. Then we'll take you seriously. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't possibly look like a woman. (laughs) No. Yeah, it's funny she had to couch it in in God, right? It's like she couldn't just... She was, you could imagine her, she's like, oh man, if she was, if she was like brave enough, smart enough, she's like, I can probably win this fucking war. Or like, <laughs> what do I have to do to kind of like convince people to get on my side? All right, everyone's obsessed with God. I'll just say I had a, I'd love to think of that Joan of Arc character who's like, uh, how do I sneak this one past the big P, like the patriarchy? Like I gotta, I gotta make up some story, you know? You know what is striking me right now is her age when these uh, sound, you know, when when she starts hearing voices, it's really reminding me of the Salem witch trials. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, You know, they they were of similar ages and and it it, it could have been. You know, it feels like when you're 13, you're you're just like you're kind of like raging. You're <laughs> angsty, you know. Totally. Yeah. And you're like, can we blame hormones? <laughs> Putting that on the board Maybe. for sure. But but I can't imagine how Teenage like horniness. Is that what you're <laughs> no, I don't think it's the horniness. I think it's the suppression, right? Where it's like mom and dad are telling me I have to marry so and so, or sure. I have to do so and so. And it's just like all of a sudden you have this outlet and you're just like, oh, no, I'm hearing voices. Right. And um, it, it, it almost like be, and then people start believing you and you start to feel this like sense of power that perhaps as a young woman, you have never felt. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can only imagine. And you're right on. You- like I read that she had her father had set her up with someone to marry and she like successfully convinced him not to make force her to go through with it. And I think with the patriarchy, that's like absolutely right, Sonia, because like in her trial, she was tried for four hearing voices. And if she had just been able to be a military leader, like men were able to and not have it underneath this layer of it's because I'm hearing voices then she right. wouldn't have been able to be tried under those terms. She would just be a regular military leader who's fighting for her country and for the throne. Right. For sure. And to my to the uh, further 
put uh, the further accuse the patriarchy. Wasn't it a? <laughs> we need more evidence, well, guys. No, yeah. it, in that in that murky kind of history, wasn't it like um, one rule that the French came up with was that like women you can't have a matrilineal uh, link to become king, right? They they passed some, like, I've read, it's confusing, and our expert will clear this up, but, like, (laughs) it had to be through a male... uh, Heir? Heir, yeah, exactly. And it, like, distinctly couldn't go through, like, if the king didn't have any sons, like, it couldn't go through his sister's son right it, it had to go through his bro- his brother's son or something mm. like that so you know they're just sort of uh, again another strike against the patriarchy ah, the male blood the is target- so preferred <laughs> <laughs> they hate women they just hate they do them. <laughs> they're so scared they get so scared of women right. um Let's put sexism up on the board. There's so many things we need to talk about. But the, we were, this kind of goes with it. Um, women didn't fight. God had ordained the world to work in particular ways. And one of those ways was that men were to lead, men were to rule, men were to fight, and women were not to do those things. This is, again, back to the Jezebel interview with Helen Castor. So the idea that such a young woman, any woman, but such a young woman would step forward and say that God had sent her to fight was profoundly de- de- destabilizing. It could only really work in the context of the miraculous. There you go. Meanwhile, the Anglo-French and Burgundians are watching and saying, look at this teenage whore. The French have completely lost it. If you know that God is on your side and your enemies produce this teenage girl striding around in armor with soldiers, the only explanation is that she's a whore. She must be sexually promiscuous because she's not doing the modest, God-fearing women are supposed to be doing. She might be a witch. Whatever way you slice it, she's not virtuous, not reputable, and they begin uh, th- they begin by being extremely abusive and disparaging of her. Um, because, and, and this is just a side note, at the time, the only women who were known to hang around soldiers uh, during battle in the Middle Ages were sex workers. So if there was a woman there, that's what it was assumed. Mm. Wow. The trial transcript reflected this. The report was now has now become well known in many places that this woman utterly disregarding this is from uh, the transcript of the trial. Sorry. This woman utterly disregarding what is honorable in the female sex, breaking the bounds of modesty and forgetting all female decency has disgracefully put on the clothing of the male sex, a striking and vile monstrosity. And what is more, (laughs) her presumption went so far that she dared to say and disseminate many things beyond the contrary to the Catholic faith and injurious to the articles of its orthodox belief. According to the trial transcript, Joan responded to this by saying this. It is both more seeming seemly and proper to dress like this when surrounded by men than wearing a woman's clothes. While I have been in prison, the English have molested me when I was dressed as a woman. She weeps. I have done this to defend my modesty. Jeez. So, and this was true in that, and she, and she was actually very smart to do this because if she had been riding around on a horse with a bunch of men during these times, you know, she would have 
been molested. She would have been a target to be raped. It also would have just been really hard to fight. (laughs) Yeah, their clothes did not look comfortable at all or functional in any way. No. But it does make you think about the patriarchy and how how that infested the fashion industry. Mm. Yeah. What we wear. Everything we know about gender is just like made up. Like somebody decided men wear pants, women wear skirts. What, and it's always like men deciding like being a good woman is this. I decide virtuous women do that. They don't have sex and they don't go to war. And if you do, you're a slut. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's so true. And, and the words of that uh, transcript are ring so hollow because what is the point that they're, the court is making here? It's just that it's the woman, uh, uh, what is honorable in the female sex, breaking bounds of modesty and forgetting all female decency. Like these are just made up ideas to yeah. Sonia's point. It's like, <laughs> that's just bullshit. And you're standing at a trial <laughs> and making that argument that it's just... Uh, it's just kind of what a woman should do. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, well, who says who? It's yeah. that's so true. I, I, They've gaslit we, her. Uh, like, oh my true. god! Like we've no. decided modesty is important based on what? Shh, shh, shh. It's important. Okay. This is why we don't like you, Joan, because you're always talking <laughs> and not listening. <laughs> I also think if she had just been a regular leader in war. She would have just been kept as a prisoner of war, which would not have made her be burned at the stake. But the fact I feel like it was purely that she was this like woman who was winning battles that the English were like, "Ooh, we're going to sell her, you know, get a ransom, like put up a ransom for her imprisonment and sell it to the Catholic Church and they're going to be able under their own laws, try her for all sorts of things that you can't do when you're just trying a military leader that you've captured. And it just feels like they're cheating. It's just like a total (laughs) cheating of the system. I think you got to add the Catholic church then. Yeah. Yeah. Catholic church. Let's add them. And I want to go, but before we do that, actually, I want to add the fashion industry Mm. before we forget, (laughs) because that was a, a big, uh, part of her getting condemned so uh, after this prolonged intensive questioning this is during the trial by uh kushan the bishop which we should also put up who uh, catholic industry uh, catholic industry yeah sure catholic <laughs> industry. <laughs> it is. and other members of the tri- tribunal joan of arc gave them no answers that could con- constitute heresy they accused her of practicing sorcery but she testified repeatedly that she only followed the word of god and believed in the infallibility of the church and pope the clerics then proclaimed that her cross-dressing was an abomination to god to which she answered the clothes are a small matter the least of all things like you were saying chris however kushan soon realized that through a technicality in canon law, the tribunal could condemn her on this small thing. When Kushan later asked Joan of Arc whether she would ever disobey the church, she responded in her usual fashion that she only fulfilled the word of God. But the church that Kushan referred to was something called the Church of Militant, or the Catholic Church on Earth, not the Church in Heaven with God, known as the Church Triumph. 
Uh, that meant if Joan of Arc didn't obey the directives of the tribunal on behalf of the church militant, she would technically be in disobedience of the church and a heretic. On May 24th, the tribunal convinced Joan of Arc to sign a legal document stating her submission to the church and recanting her claims about hearing the saints. Attached to the document was a, a cedula or a royal decree also avowing that she would no longer wear men's clothing. Obsessed with men's clothing, <laughs> these people. Upon her renunciation, the tribunal released Joan back to prison without indica ind indicating her for any crime. Uh, indicting her for any crime. Mm. Any. Yet three days later in prison, Joan was again wearing men's clothes. In a later trial, she testified that guards had stolen her female clothes and replaced them with male clothes. Whatever the case, as soon as uh, Kushan heard the news, he immediately condemned her for relapsed heresy. <laughs> relapsed heresy. On the grounds of cross-dressing. The same day, the tribunal handed Joan over to the secular court for her punishment, burning at the stake. So it was literally what got her killed. It sounds like they were like, okay, uh, you know how you forgave her? We kind of want her dead anyway. And then they were like, <laughs> tell the guards to take, tell her to bathe or whatever, Ooh. and we're going to take her clothes. Be like, well, Ooh. look at her. She has, because how else, how is she just like, hmm, what am I going to wear today? A dress or some pants? Like, <laughs> She's in prison. <laughs> prison. Yeah. Yeah. And she was chained up to a She's wall. She was a, yeah, she was a, a not just like in a, 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 a prison where uh, she was locked up in a room. She was in a, a, I don't know what you call these, um, where where it's like with other people. Uh, she's with the general public. You know, when you, you see these in movies sometimes where they're like chained to a wall um, and, and there are other prisoners in the same room. She was apparently, she, she had tried to jump out of a window and tried to, to kill herself, I guess, by jumping out of a window uh, before when she had been captured. And so she was considered to be a risk. And so that's why they had chained her up to the wall. So she had no, like, like you said, it's not like she had any freedom, even in, in any small freedoms in prison. She was set up, essentially. What I like about, or what I like, geez, what a way to start. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I was thinking, I was just thinking they couldn't get her. Like they put her right. up on the, on the stand and she held to her story and their hands were totally tied. So they figured out this and whether it's what Sonia saying, which is that like, you know, she was like, uh, uh, she was, uh, put into these clothes and then they were like, Oh, uh, gotcha. Or if it was like her needing a way out because she saw the writing on the wall which is that they just want to they they want to do away with me so i'm a goner either way um and, and maybe she did that to herself oh interesting um but yeah. e either way what you have to respect is that she held a line like she didn't she didn't um back down from her from her position and they didn't get her to do that despite all of their overwhelming power and having her in prison and all that stuff and you've got to tip your hat to her there yeah yeah. So I know that we have to start knocking things off the board. Um, let make let's make sure we have the bishop Kushan because he's the one who paid for her. He bought her so that they could try her. Because if the English had uh, just captured her, she would have, like Alex said, would have been a prisoner of war. But the Catholic Church essentially bought her so they could put her on trial for being a heretic. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that was gross. (laughs) 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 What else do you say here? (laughs) You know, Um, also the English, because they were occupying France at Mm. the time. So and this is that's what they were fighting about. Mm -hmm. And they're claiming the throne. Let's let's put toss the English up up on the board. Colonization. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yes. And I think, I mean, is there anything else we want to throw up before we start knocking things off? I mean, everything we have is, I feel like we're really hitting the mark. Okay. Can we, I mean, we have up there seeking power in the name of God, but is there some other way, because maybe there's some distinction to be made. I think God, like, um, because when we were talking before about... um, you know, people doing things in the name of God. I, I think of athletes too, when they lose or they win, mm-hmm. they say, you know, it's God's plan or this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in God's hands or whatever. Like he has all the control. So is there something called the God card that we can call where it's like <laughs> you play the God card when you just have no, like, it's sort of like the Trump card, right? Like, how do you, how, how do you uh, not, tr- not the Donald Trump card, the Trump card of, in the sense of like, <laughs> how, how does somebody beat that, right? When you say, okay, this is God's plan. It's totally out of my hand, uh, out of my hands. Um, I love the God card. It's sort of, you know, it's sort of uh, in, in, uh, impenetrable. You can't like break through that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, unless someone says I'm playing the Satan card. <laughs> Like no one, no, few people use that. Well, one, it's right? also just so um, unfair because as long as she was winning the wars, the voices she was hearing were from God. But once she started losing the battles, then suddenly it's like, oh, the voices actually might be, you know, demonic. It's right. right. It takes all the control out of. Yeah. Like you said, Chris, like you don't have any autonomy over like the battles. Right. It's just about mm-hmm. God or about the devil. Yeah, yeah, let's the, put it up. The God card. Yeah. Sonia? No, I was just going to say, like, all her power is just through God. I'm just adding to that. Like, they didn't, if she won, it's because of God. If she lost, it's because of her. Like, they didn't want to give her any credit for anything. Oh, that, that she too. Did. Yeah. Oh, that, that, yeah, that goes back to patriarchy, too, right? I, I mean, that's true because it's like you wonder, you wonder, too, like, she, from the outset, just relinquished all of her credit. She's like, I don't want any credit. This is all God. Don't worry. I'm a woman, but like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I'm not trying. I'm not like a woman. It's actually God, you know? Um, God is like, know. just let this pass. Okay. <laughs> My baby. I have the wrong body. <laughs> she comes across as very smart and very savvy and very strong mm-hmm. throughout all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she seems ambitious to me. Like I, I went to uh, like a religious school for a while, and I remember like just the boundaries of everything was so small. Like what we could read, what we could do, and then like when I went to college, I was like, wow, the world is so much bigger than this. Yes. And I felt like that's how she felt. Like she wanted to do something with her life, and the option was you're gonna marry this probably old man who and have this boring life. Uh, they kept mentioning, oh, she's illiterate. How could she ever do anything? And like she was like, nope, I'm gonna do grand things. And the patriarchy was like, well, we're gonna murder you, sweetheart. That's what you get. Fear. Oh, oh, that's good. Ooh. Fear of uh, female, uh, power. female yeah, ambition. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Well, I think particularly ambition. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. we were just talking about yes. that's a really good point, Sonia. Yes. We were just talking about how somebody said something about. Uh, a politician, when they're in, if a female politician is already in office, people aren't threatened by them. They, but they, when a they female like politician, yeah. yeah, they like them. Yeah, they like them more than a female politician who is running for office because it shows their ambition. Yes, Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, like they, they um, hated her. I still hate her. I still hate. <laughs> well, they, her. yeah, yeah, still hate her. <laughs> But that was the case, I guess, with um, they were uh, this was Hillary Clinton. So Mm. as secretary of state, people loved her. But then when she ran for president, Mm, uh, people hated her. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we have a lot to do here. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to it. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. Okay, who's to blame for the death of Joan of Arc? Is it bovine tuberculosis, seeking power in the name of God, the patriarchy, hormones, sexism, (laughs) the fashion industry, the Catholic Church, 
Bishop Cauchon, the English, the God card, or feel, fear of female ambition. Okay. What are we going to do here? We're going to start crossing things off, and I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you think about the, um, I think it's, uh, in, if you think about it in terms of the outfits, the, you know, like, uh-huh. Her wearing men's clothing and that being so um, contentious, I think you probably not going to blame the fashion industry per se for that. I think it's more that's more just sexism writ yeah. large. And probably roll that into sexism, and then I think sexism gets rolled into the patriarchy, right? Well, yeah. let's let's um, let's keep sexism for now, and I agree with you. Fashion industry out. But I think let's keep sexism for now. Um, God, fashion industry always gets away with it. <laughs> uh, Rebecca's been going after the fashion industry since the podcast started, Sonia. That's been You'll get them one day. She, 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 she really does not like the fashion uh, industry. What about the tuberculosis? Because like, it does explain it. But we just don't have the evidence. Well, it gets the ball rolling, but I don't know. I, I, I can you blame? Can you? Because then she went into battle. She was successful. It was a huge turning point in the war. I don't know. So if it if it sort of initiated things in terms of like her visions, I don't know. Kind of hard to prove. It to seems me. like and also, an interesting scientific theory, but mm-hmm. also kind of a blessing. Like, what would, if she didn't get sick? Would she have just been some somebody's wife? died in oh. childbirth you know it's I true mean, her ending is kind of terrible so it's like ugh. yeah but would we we probably wouldn't be talking about her sadly mm-hmm. it is it really you know that makes me so sad that just like normal people aren't talked about history <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it just it did, normal, me out. did rich people yeah <laughs> well that that's why you do podcasts so that people were the normal you. people yeah <laughs> <laughs> The normies did did right. Did rich people get uh, bovine tuberculosis, or was that specifically to poor farmers? Who had it to it be looks like there? it looks like it was for for um, uh, peasants. I think you had to be like yeah. sleeping with the cattle. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do we think? Should we take so, that one off? I think we can take that off. Yeah, because it, maybe it was a blessing. <laughs> um, what about the English? Do we feel like you know they were just part of a war? It seems like the thousand mile you yeah versus. i i think we can yeah i think we can take them off it, it, look it didn't help this would she have gone to war if the english weren't occupying france hard to tell because it's, she seemed like we said very ambitious so maybe if not this this war another one also aren't the english helped create the patriarchy mm. you know? i kind of feel like they're an extension. The way they moved in the world was kind of an extension of that. Maybe it might be a little reach. In that, in but that way, literally like everything else we're looking at is somehow linked to the patriarchy. Yeah, <laughs> fully the Catholic Church, <laughs> the bishop, hate well, a female ambition. Uh huh. Seeking power in the name of God, God in general. To, 
it feels like mm-hmm. we have a battle, like a Godzilla versus King Kong type of battle between God and the patriarchy right here, like in terms of the board, right? You're either yeah. going to go with who's to blame for the death of Joan of Arc. It's either God, it's a, some version of God or uh-huh. a, and the, the idea of God and just man as in men. Yeah. <laughs> Let's clean things up here a bit, though. I think we can take hormones off. I agree we can take sexism off because it just folds into the patriarchy. Um, And I think the God card or seeking power in the name of God can fold into the God card. And so we're left with... Oh, oh, and the the Catholic Church. What, What do we think? The bishop or the Catholic Church? I feel like the bishop is a product of the Catholic Church. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and he he probably had the nod from his higher ups over there. I'm sure to go and yeah, the pope yeah, was but- like killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so sad. Um, yeah, but and, uh, he was particularly terrible in this case, though. Um, so we, ju- I, I just think it's important that we remember that. So we have the patriarchy, Catholic Church, the God card, and fear of female ambition. What are we going to send to jail? What are we going to slap? They're all very potent um, ideas, and they're also very present in today's society. So that was that's my unhelpful commentary. <laughs> There's something about fear of female ambition that I feel like is so specific to this story and to who she was. And, right, that's part of, like, it's something that the patriarchy does to women because of their fear of female ambition. But it feels so, I don't know, it feels like very poignant to this story. I agree. My, that, that I was veering in that direction as well. And here's what I think. I think we send fear of female ambition to the alarmist jail. And I think we slap the Catholic church on this one for promoting these ideas of, piety and women and enforce they were like the enforcers Mm -hmm. they really held down women yes yeah for sure i mean they you know they provided almost like you know the god card comes back into play where they they were like because of their uh, prominence and power they sort of gave a more um solid backing for these ideas, mm-hmm. which would which would stymie um, women, which would which would prevent them from shaking off uh, these preconceived notions. You know what I find ironic is that she was actually Joan of Arc was Catholic, and she that was probably the only education she had was um, like church classes and stuff like that, and she knew all about the saints. She and she used all of that information in her favor. She kind of worked the system. Mm -hmm. She tried to play the God card, but it it went back. It's always male. Only men can play the God card for long. Oh, brutal. It's true. Okay, so I feel, we feel good about this? Yeah, I feel great about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I don't, I don't feel good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love the patriarchy. I can't speak to you guys, but it's been good for me as a woman. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, let's call it. Catholic Church, you're getting the big slap. <laughs> <laughs>
Fear of female ambition. You're going to the alarmist jail. We're going to chain that to the wall at the alarmist jail. (laughs) The fear of female ambition. I mean, I think it is. It's like a, it's, it's a really, um, it's a a really, uh, sad notion, isn't it? It is because it's, it does feel very real. She's still relevant. Joan of Arc. Look, this is what I'll say. She's not a normie. (laughs) She's not a normal. (laughs) She did it. She, um, she thought to herself, may, perhaps, I don't know, I'm not with, I, I wasn't with her, but she thought to herself as a 13-year-old, I've got, I've got bigger plans for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. She shot her shot. She really, wow, did I quote Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I really, it really is so relevant now, like the same, here, whenever I hear stuff like that, when you were talking about all the rules of piety and all these things, you just, as a woman, you realize when you go through the world, you're like a human, actually. You have a thought of like how you're supposed to be and then you beat yourself up for not being that thing. And then later you realize like, oh, someone made this up. Like in 1567, they decided that a woman shall wear a high heel or she's not worthy of marriage. And it's like, oh, wow. Like I believe this whole my whole life and it's made, it's literally made up. But man, Amen. God, yeah. And let's remember that as we go you know, about our day today, uh, these rules were made up. Some are for our safety, guys. And don't <laughs> go breaking those, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get Rob crazy. Rob a bank. Like, no. <laughs> Commit a crime. <laughs> Who says crime is crime? Hmm? Let's talk about the prison industrial complex. Well, yeah, oh, I God. mean. You've pulled, the, you've pulled the thread here on our sweater of society. <laughs> and we're about to come apart, so... <laughs> Yeah. You better end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're going to come burn me. <laughs> Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the death of Joan of Arc. We couldn't have yes. done it without you. Thank you so much. I just want to thank the patriarchy, the Catholic Church, who had a big part of my life. They took years of my life. Um, and you guys, thank you so much for having me. Wow. Up there with the big ones. <laughs> me and Joan of Arc, Sonia of Arc, you know, Denise. <laughs> we colonized Haiti. It'll be good. After Joan of Arc's death, four years after Joan's burning at the stake in 1435, Charles VII signed the Treaty of Arras, in which he was recognized as the king and soon after welcomed into Paris. In 1450, the last English holdout in France was abandoned. King Charles instructed theologian Guillaume Bouillet to investigate Joan's trial, and in 1455, she received a retrial with Joan's surviving family as plaintiffs. The judges declared the charges against Joan as corrupt, deceitful, and fraudulent, and her sentence was considered null and void. In May 1920, the Roman Catholic Church declared Joan of Arc to be a saint.
Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Otto Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week we'll be discussing the disastrous opening of Disneyland. Erios. Powered by ACAST.